Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. It's a time the betting predators podcast where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by the MMA guru, MMA fanatic. Got Mean Gene in the house. You guys can catch Gene on X as well at Mean Gene 0022. Make sure you guys check us out at thebettingpredators.com and on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, guys, here we go. UFC 298. Myself, Gene, going to go ahead and break down the main card for you. Uh, this one is live on pay-per-view will take place at the Honda Center in Anaheim, California. Gene, I know that you've been excited for, you know, this next run of UFC events. Going to be let off here by 298, but 299 is stacked. 300's just getting insane. They haven't announced the uh, the, the headliner for that one yet, but you and I both saw the, the John Anik thing on X today where he was talking about, you know, maybe Gaethje and Holloway becomes the headliner. Let me just stop everything and, and forget all the all the bullshit. Like, that's not going to happen. They're not going to go ahead and, and, and just completely disappoint everybody for potentially the biggest UFC event of all time. So if you're buying into whatever John Anik thinks, and look, I don't throw shade on the dude. I mean, dude's good at what he does, but th- that's all hype. I mean, I don't believe that for one second. I don't know how many people would would just turn around and be pissed off and say, give me my money back if they already pre-ordered it or did something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be a a, a big slap in the face. So I don't know how you feel about that current there rumor there, Gene, but I saw that and I kind of just was like, this is just a real cheesy way to go ahead and and, and promote, you know, a monster fight that's about to get announced. Yeah, I'm with you. That, That would be a big disappointment. I feel like there has to be a title fight. At the top of that card, they were looking at Adesanya versus Duplessis or Adesanya moving up to 205 to fight Pajeda. Um, And even those fights don't really excite me, but at least I would respect that more than the BMF title being, you know, being the main event of, of, of 300. So, yeah, I don't believe the rumors. I'd be disappointed in it. So ho- hopefully we, we get some clarity soon on that because. We're only what three months away, two and a half months away, so it's it's coming up quick, and and they they got to get that headliner locked in. Well, I mean, since people are just throwing out crazy predictions and stuff like that, I'm going to stick with my prediction for UFC 300. I still think uh, it's going to end up being Connor and Colby. I think it's going to be an absolute verbal warfare. Um, that's what I think. So we'll see. But we got 298 on our plate here. There, Gene. Uh, we got Volkanovski Taporia as our headliner. Main event opener here, Gene's going to be Anthony Hernandez against Roman Kopilov. Current line in this one there, Gene, Hernandez minus 245. Felt a little bit high to me, but I'm curious what you think because I have not made a wager. I have not made a prediction on this fight yet. So I'm going to let you go ahead and talk me into that one. Hernandez, Kopilov, what do you think? It's a hell of an opener. It's it's going to be a very exciting fight. Alex Hernandez is just go, 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 go. Uh, his gas tank is unlimited. Look for him to really put the pressure on Kapilov in the second and third. And then Kapilov on, on the other hand, 
on the other side, he's a striker. He's going to look to to put Anthony Hernandez's lights out. Anthony Hernandez can strike too. He's, he's not a bad striker at all, but where he really shines is the grappling. So it's it's an interesting stylistic matchup um, between these two guys. Tough fight for me to call. I, I think the line's a little bit too wide personally, just because Kapilov, he, he had some hiccups early in his career, but he's really put some things together recently. And, but, you know, it's really, can he stop the takedown? So uh, I'm going to side with Anthony Hernandez here. I do think the line's a little bit too wide, but it's not, you know, the plus money on Kapilov. I just, I really worry about the grappling upside with Anthony Hernandez. So I'm not going to touch him as a dog. So um, Anthony Hernandez is the pick for me. All right. I think the main reason, Gene, why I don't want Anthony Hernandez here is because I haven't seen him fight in a very, very long time. Now, I know he was on the gone John Jones card, but I missed fights on that card personally. Like, I wasn't able to watch them. So it's like I haven't seen this guy in forever, and I've seen Kapilov. I've seen, like, maybe, like, the last two or three fights that he's been in. And the last fight, he went through a vicious body shot, and the guy ended up going down. He was a bloody mess. Kapilov looked like he just ran through him. And I know, you know, just based on watching this guy, that he has KO power. I think he's knocked out like three or four opponents right in a row. So I do worry that maybe he packs a lot of power against a guy that minus 245 just worries me a little bit. So it sounds like you like Hernandez here. You're not necessarily bought into the line. Uh, I don't know if I would take a swing against Roman Kapilov because sometimes when I see fights that are minus 250, minus 300, and I know upsets happen, but generally the guy who's that much of a favorite is a favorite for that big of a reason. So I'm going to go ahead, Gene. I'll go ahead. I'll pass that fight, but I'll certainly be going ahead and watching that one. Let's go ahead. Let's jump into our next fight here. This should be a good one. Uh, we have Marab Devalashili. Going to go ahead and take on Henry Cejudo. I'll lead out first here, Gene. I like Henry Cejudo, believe it or not. I I, I kind of do. And a lot of that is due to, you know, he, he, he stepped in there off of a very long layoff against a guy like Aljamain Sterling, who was on the top of his game. Uh, we know how good Aljamain is on the ground and you know, he could probably, I would say maybe out-wrestle Henry. But Henry went in there, looked good, went all five rounds. Uh, some people argued maybe Cejudo actually won that fight. I, I kind of went ahead and gave it to Al Jermaine. I thought he did a little bit better of a job. But I think the fact that Henry shook off that rust, that he, he's here to stay, and he and he's here to just go ahead and, and, and regain what, what he left on the table when he left. But it's going to be a tough fight, obviously. We know Marab. I mean, this dude's just, I mean, he's all gas tank, weapons firing in every direction. But I think that that's kind of a mistake here against Henry. I think you need to be far more calculated against a guy like him because he's just so technical and he looks for you to make mistakes, leave openings, and then he does pretty much what he wants. So I like Henry here. I see right now, Gene, the line, I mean, it's gone up. It's been going up. Uh, right now it's up to like plus 200. I would go out. I would take Henry at those odds for sure. I liked Henry at like plus 160. I still like him. At this point, I think you have to go ahead and grab up, you know, plus 200 with Zahudo. Do I think Marab can win? I, I do. Have we really seen him in there with a guy of the caliber of Henry Cejudo? I, I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know if he has been. So it's Cejudo for me, and I like that one there, Gene, at plus 200. What do you think? Yeah, this, this is a tough one. I've, I've gotten burned numerous times in these type of fights where you have – you know, an aging fighter, you know, potentially a GOAT or at least one of the top fighters in the UFC in his division in history. And, you know, he's kind of on it. He has one foot in, one foot out. And I end up feeling like the value's on him and then just completely burns me. And 
Um, I kind of felt that way against Aljo, to be honest with with you. Like I, I took Henry Cejudo in that fight, and I just I wasn't impressed with with his performance, to be honest with you. And and the thing that worries me with Cejudo here is stuff with his with his coaches as well. He's fired some coaches. Um, whatever. I mean, the guy's he's a he's an Olympian. He's he's a UFC Hall of Famer. He's going to go down as one one of the goats. So I, I you know, that might not be that big of a deal, but. I definitely think the retirement aspect of it is what worries me because he he did make a comment this week saying, "Hey, if he wins, good, he's good to go, fight for the title. If he loses, though, he's going to consider retirement." I just don't like hearing that. Um, the value is definitely on Cejudo here. I want to take Cejudo because at these odds, you're just like, "How do I not take him?" And yes, his opponent Marab, very dangerous, relentless grappler. Like he's going to stay in Cejudo's face. The entire time, um, he set he set a record for like I think it was like forty eight, forty nine takedown attempts uh, against Peter Jan. Jan couldn't couldn't get his striking off, but but the issue for me, and this is why I kind of see where you're going. I, I'm kind of start I'm leaning towards Henry because at least Henry has the grappling. Like Marab, this isn't Peter Jan that's just looking to primarily strike with you and you're just going to relentlessly take him down. Like, so who going to stop you, man? Um, and we saw that too with Aljamain Sterling, you know, that's one, one area I'll give Cejudo credit in. Like Sterling is a hell of a grappler, arguably the best in the UFC. And Cejudo was able to, to hold his own against him. So, um, Rob's on a lower level than, than Sterling. So yeah, man, I, I do think the values on Cejudo definitely in the striking too. That's the other aspect. Like, if Henry's able to stop the takedowns and this is just a stand-up fight where they're just going to strike for three rounds, I don't think that's going to happen. But if that ends up happening, Cejudo's got him covered in the striking department 100%. So it's like it really just comes down to the grappling and, and where's where's Cejudo at in, in, in that sense. So um, I'm going to go with Cejudo here too. I'm not going to bet it though, as, as crazy as this sounds. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to stay away. I've gotten burnt way too many times. I like another big dog on this, on this card coming up. So, um, I'm going to lean, I'm definitely a lean slash pick Cejudo. Maybe I'll get talked, maybe I'll talk myself into it, like right before the fight to, to bet on Cejudo, just, you know, sprinkle something on him. But, um, yeah, I don't fault you for taking Cejudo here at all. The value is definitely on him and the skills, you know, skill matchup between the two, you, you got to lean towards Henry in that department too. So, um, like I said, only concern is retirement. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with with you and with my boy Henry Cejudo. You know, Gene. Like, I, I guess one of the things I was thinking about here is that in order for you to sit in there and hang with Al Jermaine, you need to be at the top of your game. And the fact that Henry did that, I like. I, I just I look at the resume of of Marab and I'm like, okay, you fought Peter Yan, you beat him unanimous decision. But I think you and I would agree if we go back a year ago. Was Jan really even that good at that point? Like, it felt like we, you and I, watched his peak, and it was in. In this is just my opinion. It was the fight in which he went in there with Aljamain and had the illegal knee. And I think ever since then, Jan's kind of just come down to earth. And then, you no, know, you fought Aldo in in twenty twenty two, but you no, know, Aldo was really at the tail end of his career then. I know Aldo had a little bit of a resurgence there towards the end, but. I mean, you were fighting uh, Jose Aldo, who was at the end of his career. And the same thing with Marlon Marai, end of his career. Cody Stamen had some issues. I think he had a parent or something die uh, right when he was, like, fighting Marab or, or trying to recover from that. 
he's a journeyman type of guy. Like it, there's no, I don't see anybody on, on, on Marab's roster that is stepping in there with Aljamain and fighting the way that Henry did. I just don't see that. Like Jan would probably get wiped out. Same with, with Aldo and all those guys. So I don't know. I'm, I, it's like, I'm trying to talk myself into it more than anything. I think the odds are wrong. I think if Henry comes in here in tip top shape or even better than he did against Aljamain, he should be able to go ahead and at least make this more of like an even money fight, not two to one. So I'll go ahead. I'll take Henry Cejudo there. Gene, it seems like you're kind of on that side with me as well. You got anything else you want to say before I wrap up? Yeah, let me jump in here. I completely agree with your analysis of his resume for sure. Like Peter Jan, he, he was a shell of himself. Like he, losing the, to Sterling like that, it was devastating. And then he followed that up with two more losses, you know, one being Marab. It just, you, you could see um, he went back to the drawing board. So we'll see what he does next pay per view against uh, Song Yudong. But I agree with you, kind of a shell of himself. And then, although at the end of his career, you know, He's going to, yeah, all those end of the career, like you said. And then the, the Marlon Marais, I mean, you want to talk about Wash, like that dude, every, he's literally just a name to put on your resume in the sense of like, oh, it's Marlon Marais. But if you actually watch the guy fight, like he's done, you know, he, he, he was a shell of himself a long time ago, um, ever since Henry Cejudo knocked him out and uh, took the title from him. So I'm with you. I, the odds are there, man. I, I know I'm going to end up, uh, taking Henry. I, I know, I know myself. So like right before the fight, I'll probably end up taking Henry um, just because I'm with you. It, it should not be two to one. It should be more. I could see Marab minus 150, 160, something like that maybe. But the odds right now, I, I'm with you. The value is all on, on, on Henry. All right. Good stuff there, Gene. Great breakdown for that fight. Let's go. Let's jump into our next. Uh, we have Jeff Neal. He's going to take on Ian Gary. I'm curious what you think about this one there, Gene. So Ian Gary minus 235 right now. I felt like I just watched Jeff Neal fight, and it's it's crazy. Like, he hasn't fought in almost a year. And I'm like, man, I, I could have swore I just saw him fight recently, but I guess not. I, it was probably Neil Magny, I, I, Jeff Neal Magny. It just seems like there's always one of those guys stepping in the octagon there. So it wasn't Jeff Neal, but I'm curious what you think about this one because I do have a couple questions here for you. Yeah, I mean, th- this one for me is pretty easy. I, I hate laying – the juice, so I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lay the juice, but I, I think this is Ian um, Ian Gary all day here. Um, it's going to be a striking matchup, which is exactly what Ian Gary wants. The UFC knows what they're doing here. They, they've done an incredible job with building Ian Gary up. Say what you want to say about out of the cage stuff. You know, I, I don't agree with a lot of stuff Ian Gary does. Um, he's very brash. Sometimes it's it's fake, you know, in my personal opinion. But you know, credit to the kid. You know, he's getting eyes on him. He's getting, you know, he's getting the clicks and all and all those things. And uh, but uh, the way the UFC has, has built him up is just perfect. They've slowly built him up. They haven't thrown him to the wolves. And this is just the next step up. You know, he beat Neil Magny, absolutely destroyed, outclassed Neil Magny. And now he's finding Jeff Neal. And Jeff Neal is going to give him the fight that he wants. Jeff Neal is a much slower version of him. Um, Jeff Neal, yeah, he has power, but the movement on the feet, he, he doesn't do a good job of checking leg kicks. Ian Gary is just a machine when it comes to leg kicks. Uh, incredible pinpoint striker as well. And a solid grappler, as, you know, in, in his own right as, as well, even though he is a striker. So, um, yeah, I, I got I, – I don't know what Jeff Neal can even do in, in this fight against Ian Gary besides landing one big punch 
and I just don't see that happening. Ian Gary's movements on the feet are incredible. He's 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 gonna, you know, he he's gonna roll with the punches and not take that power that power shot from Jeff Neal. And honestly, how I see this fight, you know, um, break um, finishing is I just I think uh, Ian Gary chops down uh, Jeff Neal just like he did against Neil Magny. Um, just keeps chopping at that leg, and whether he gets a TKO victory because you know Jeff Neal can't stand anymore. Or it's a ground and pound after that, but yeah, I, I love Ian Gary here. I, I don't even think I, I think you can throw him in a parlay card, you know, for sure. So that's my pick, Ian Gary. All right, um, you answered a lot of the questions that I have, so I probably don't really even have to ask him here. But I guess one of the one of the things that that worries me here with probably with both guys is that I'm not sure that either of these guys can get each other out of there. And I, I really sincerely mean that. Like, I know a lot of people think Ian Gary's this bulldozer, but he if he struggled to get Magny out of there, I just have a feeling like he's going to struggle to get Jeff Neal out of there. Jeff Neal doesn't fight bums. Like, this dude pretty much, I mean, the opposite of what we were just talking about with Marab. Like, this guy, at, the, at when he fights these guys, are pretty much at, like, the top of their game. You know, he fought Rachmanov. You know, went three rounds with him. That was a... A pretty good fight. I mean, Rachmanov took a little bit of damage in that one. Fought Vicente Luque. Luque, you know, was didn't he hold the belt at one time there, Gene, I think? I mean, that dude was at the top of his game when those guys fought. It feels like like Jeff Neal's the guy that is going to get you to that, that next level. And I, I got to give Jeff Neal credit, especially when it comes to, you know, going ahead and just going out there and, and stepping toe-to-toe and knuckling up against these guys. And I think that, yeah, you're right there, Gene. Like, this is the fight that Ian Gary wants. But I don't know, man. I, I really think that, that Neil's chin is, is good enough. I think his movement is, is going to be a little bit better maybe than you think. I think he'll land some punches and probably, you know, keep Ian Gary off of him a little bit, at least enough to respect him. I'm not going to take either guy in this one. If I did, Gene, I would be with you. I would go ahead. I would take Ian Gary. But... I actually think this fight goes the distance because Ian Gary struggled to get Magny out of there. And I think that I honestly think that Jeff Neal is going to be a tougher task. And I think that Jeff Neal has stepped in there with the better guys and he'll be prepared for, you know, somebody like Ian Gary is going to try to go ahead and get after him. So I like the, uh, I like this fight to go ahead and go the distance. It's minus one Oh five for this one, not to go. And to be honest with Eugene, I thought this was going to be like a minus two thirty, minus two forty, two fifty, something like that to not go the distance. And when I saw it, I'm like, all right, I feel better now about my selection. Cause I was worried, you know, going ahead, taking like a plus plus one seventy for it to go the distance. But the fact that it was like minus one Oh five to, to, to go the distance, I was like, you know what? Now I really like it. So, I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna go ahead and do that there, Gene, for that fight. I'm not sure if you have any thoughts there, Gene, on the on the to go the distance, but I think that that's the the one wager I feel comfortable with. Yeah, real quick, another thing you said, I agree, Jeff Neal. To me, he's a gatekeeper or one of the gatekeepers in the welterweight division. So a, a win by Gary here, I would love to see Gary fight a, a more grappling based uh, fighter. So like a Sean Brady, a Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, someone like that that is going to test his ground skills. Um, but I, I hand it to UFC with the way they've, they've brought this guy along they've, they've done it perfectly. And, uh, I'm with you on the Jeff Neal, um, aspect of it. He is a tough guy. I just, you know, the Neil Magny fight with Ian Gary, Ian Gary should have finished him. I think he, he, he had him finished, um, with the leg kicks and dropped, you know, he fell to the ground. I think 
the the bell ring at, at one point. I, I forget what round it was. It doesn't matter, but he, you know, at the end of the day, he did not get him out of there. So I'm with you. Um, Jeff Neal is is definitely tough. So um, yeah, man. And here's the other thing with that too is like Ian Gary. As much as he's been, you know, minus three hundred and four hundred and 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 things of that nature, like he hasn't finished a lot of fights in the UFC. So I, I'm I'm fine with you taking the, um, you know, it goes the distance. I mean, Neil Magny was one. Um, Gabe Green was another one. Darren Weeks, um, you know, Jack Grant. There, there's a bunch of guys that he just didn't finish that he should have finished. So I don't think that's a bad play, especially at minus one hundred five. But I'm staying away from the fight. The only way I would. I'll bet is if I took Gary and throw him into a parlay, that, that's the only way I would go. You know, Gene, one of the things I think that the UFC does right and does wrong is obviously they, they have a guy that, that earns his way to a title. And then some guys, they just get, you know, they, they get the fast track. I guess you could say, what do they call it? The Dana White privilege. But I feel like Ian Gary, like he's not going to be able to skip over, you know, probably like a Michael Chiesi, maybe a, a Wonder Boy or you know, like a Gilbert Burns, like something like that. Like he's going to have to fight his way up. And that's great because I think that that makes him like a real viable champion if he gets up to that title fight. And that's just one of those one of those situations where you have to work your way all the way up and then they become hard to beat, you know, similar to like an Izzy or something like that where you work your way all the way through division, beat everybody up, lap them, and it's like, dude, like you have to eventually take that guy out. Sometimes I think when you throw him into the ring of fire against, you know, just a world beater type of guy, you, you you do a lot more damage than you do good to some of these fighters. So I like how they're kind of bringing them along slow. So that'll be a good fight there, Gene. Let's go ahead. Let's jump into our next here. We got the co-main event, Robert Whitaker, going to go ahead and take on Paulo Costa. Current line in this one there, Gene, Robert Whitaker minus 250. I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about this one first. I'm not sure if you're going to agree with me on this one, Gene, but it'll be interesting. Robert Whitaker minus 250 against Paulo Costa. What do you got? Yeah, th- this line is insane to me. I, I don't understand it at all. Um, I what I'll say is, you know, Robert Whitaker's coming off of a knockout loss to the champion. He seems, you know, he is the gatekeeper of the middleweight division. The question is, can he get back on the horse? You know, is Israel Asanya? He got back on the horse. You know, he lost to him. Got back on the horse. Won a couple fights. Fought for the title again. Lost. Got back on the horse again. And then you know, fought Duplessis. And lost to him. And he's at the end of his career. He's taken a ton of damage, as evident with his last four or five fights, where he keeps getting dropped in, in these fights. Whether he wins or loses, like he, he's definitely getting, you know, dropped to the mat um, at least once or twice in in these in these bouts. So you have to worry about his chin. Like I said, his last fight, he got knocked out. And then you have, you know, Paula Costa coming in. And you got to wonder where his head's at. You know, the guy is uber talented. He looked like he was destined to be champion or at least be a, a, a um, you know, a contender. Uh, and, um, or pardon me, to, <laughs> to be a, um, a perennial contender. And for whatever reason, the guy just, he loves the social media. He loves... What I, I don't know what it is with the guy. I, I can't even I can't even tell you, but he's he's not focused. I mean, he's drinking red wine before fights. He's you know, he's out of shape. He's he's bouncing between one eighty five and two oh five. Like he even had a catch weight with Marvin Vittori to go up to two oh five, fight him at two oh five, and then even at that point he was, you know, questionable to even make weight. I mean, it's like what are you doing, dude? You like that's an extra twenty pounds that you have to to make weight. So I I, but but I will say I think all that's past him. He seems through social media, his interviews, 
training videos. I know you can't put a lot of stock into that, but you know, he's taken, he's been off for about a year, year and a half now. It seems like he's refocused here and this is his opportunity to get to a title shot in such a weak division right now. There's, there's not too many contenders in the middleweight division um, as evident by the UFC not being able to, to book Duplessis and like begging Adesanya to come back to fight him. You know, there's, there's just not a lot of contenders at middleweight. And so a win here over the gatekeeper in Whitaker could fast track him to, to a title shot. So um, stylistically, yes, Whitaker is better stylistically. I think his movement's much better on the outside. He can pick, he can pick Paula Costa apart. His grappling is going to be superior to Paula Costa if he wants to go that route. He typically doesn't, but he can, you know, he can use that. Um, but Paula Costa, man, the thing with him, man, he's such a fluid striker, big, big, big power, nasty leg kicks. And I just, I see this fight being contested on the feet. And the odds, like I said at the beginning of this, I mean, it's just absolutely insane. Whitaker, minus 170, minus 160, 150, cool, fine with it. But minus 250, I don't know I don't know what the odds makers are thinking. Um, I'm on Paula Costa all day. I, I'm taking him. I, I think the value is there. I think he's focused, and I think he's going to knock Whitaker out. So I'm going to also sprinkle another bet. I'm going to sprinkle on Paula Costa to, to, um, to win by a KO. And uh, I believe it's like plus 400. You know, you can give it from like plus 360 up to like plus 400, 400 I saw earlier today. So, yeah, give, give me Paula Costa here. All right, Gene. So I'm, I'm all warm and fuzzy now because I'm, I'm on Costa too. I actually think he potentially could be one of the biggest bet dogs on this entire card. As I was just talking about with Ian Gary, like bring him along slow. And I feel like the, the complete opposite was done with Paula Costa. You take him from, I forget who he fought before Israel, but there there were guys that he probably should have fought, maybe like a Gastelum or, you know, Brad Tavares or Derek Brunson, like work your way up to Izzy. And I felt like he just got whipped in there, beat by Izzy, realized, holy shit, like this is a real deal. And I felt like that's the one of the reasons why he suffered the Vittori loss. And then the elbow happened and things like that. Like it's time to refocus. It's time to say, okay, cool. Uh, Izzy's, you know, he's not here right now. I don't have to worry about that guy. Vittori's probably, you know, he, he's probably well past his prime. Maybe it's my time now. He got that experience. I, I, I really feel like he was rushed. And I think he'll he'll come into this one looking to go ahead and, and probably just tee off on Robert Whitaker. Like, I worry about the tread with Robert Whitaker. Like, does he have the miles on him? For sure. You know, does he have experience? For sure. But I think getting beat by Duplicis was just an absolutely crippling loss. Like, you could never beat Izzy, and now you're losing the guys like Dricus Duplicis. And I don't want to say anything about you know bad about him, but I don't think Duplicis is really anywhere near. Uh, he, I just don't think he brings anywhere near the amount of weapons that somebody like a Izzy does. And if you know if Whitaker's you know taking these beatings and these lumps and and getting knocked out and stuff like that, like this dude's gonna look to knock your head off. He's not going in there to strategically go in there and let you go ahead and and just follow up right into your game plan and do what you want to do. Like I it, like that's just a massive mistake. Like fire all your coaches, fire everybody if that's your game plan. Go in there and go after this guy. Rush this guy and knock his head off. And I think that's what Costa's gonna do here. I think the line's just out of control. I could see Whitaker maybe like a minus one ten somewhere around a pick'em. Like that's the way I feel. So I'm going to take Costa here. I'm with you there, Gene. Give me, uh, give me that plus money with Paula Costa. I, I do have one more question there for you, though, Gene. Costa wins this fight. 
where does he end up? Do they fast track him right back into the title? Like, I would feel much better about that now than when they tried to do it before when they stuck him in there with Izzy. But I think there's a, a legit shot that, you know, he could be seeing a title fight here, you know, maybe in like a fight or maybe maybe one fight. Maybe that's all it'll take. Yeah, I'm with you here. I mean, like I said, this division is so weak right now. It's, you know, you have Sean Strickland. He lost to Duplessis. He's not getting a rematch. Um, Izzy, he's technically, he took a break. I don't know what the deal is with him. He keeps hinting that he's going to be coming back. So we'll see about that. Whitaker, I mean, we are, you know, obviously he would have beat Whitaker for your hypothetical here. It's really just Jared Cannonier. And that's it. I mean, that's the only person that's above uh, Paula Costa that's actually, you know, could say, hey, I should fight for the title next. So um, either Paula Costa could get fast-tracked to to another title or they would just have him fight Strickland or Jerry Cannonier for the the number one contender spot. So, yeah, I would not be shocked if he wins here, especially in spectacular fashion as the co-main event. Of, of this of, of this pay-per-view and they just say hey man we'll give you the title shot so um yeah i wouldn't be surprised i, I just yeah again I'm, i know i'm i already said this but i'm parroting it you know what you just said it's like i, I don't know how they they've set this line man it, it's it's insane to me it really is well just to clear up one of the, the things that i was uh, unable to go ahead and touch on the fight that costa fought before he got in there with izzy was against yoel romero so, I mean, th- there were certainly guys that were skipped for sure. Oh, uh, yeah, 100%. He looked incredible. Like that Paula Costa, if he shows up on Saturday night, I mean, this is going to look like he should have been minus two, you know, 250 because that was an incredible performance. But again, like you said, after Yoel Romero, he probably should have fought someone else. But the middleweight division in general, and I won't drown on about this, but the middleweight um Division in general has been really weak since Anderson Silva relinquished his belt. It's just been, it's been bad, man. And and I'm really looking forward to the UFC kind of, you know, signing some guys and, and putting together a lot of uh, middleweight fights to kind of build up that division. Because in my personal opinion, it's the weakest division in the UFC. All right. Well, there's Gene's thoughts on the division and the weakness of it. I will not disagree with you there, Gene. Uh, let's jump to a division that has a lot of action going on in it, and it's going to involve uh, the champion here, Alexander Volkanovsky, going to go ahead and take on Ilya Taporia. Right now, Gene, Volkanovsky right around minus 125. Taporia actually was a slight favorite there for a little bit. I like Volkanovsky here, Gene, and a lot of it is due to the last time I saw him fight before he fought Makachev the second time, and that was against Yair Rodriguez, and Volkanovsky went out fought Makachev, gave him everything that he had in that first matchup. And Volk came up short. I felt that he lost that fight slightly. But then he came back and he fought Yair Rodriguez, and he absolutely wiped the mat with him. And that fight was kind of broadcast to be, you know, uh, a much closer fight than than what it was. That fight was never close. And I feel like they're doing the same thing here with Ilya Taporia. But I actually think Taporia can live up to the hype that they tried to go ahead and say that Yari Rodriguez was going to be. That fight wasn't close. But I do worry that Volkanovski coming off of another loss is it's something that he he's now used to. It's not like this guy lost the first time and his head's down and he's like, you know, I don't know where I'm at. Like Volkanovski actually believes he's the best fighter to ever fight in this division. And he goes out there and he, um, I mean, he just does his job. I mean, and, and he won't back down. He's, uh, he's very humble, 
but he's also very, very confident, and he's confident in his skills. I think Deporia will give him a good battle here, but eventually I think the experience will will reign supreme. I don't think that a loss coming off of Makachev is something that's going to hurt Volkanovski. I actually think the fact that he had success after a loss, and especially in the manner that he did against Yair Rodriguez, that Volk will be really, really comfortable here. So I don't know if you saw the, the presser. He came out with some, like, old grandpa thing, and, and uh, Tapuria tried to, like, steal the belt off him. Like, it was just, I don't know, it looked a little cheesy. But I'll take Volk here, especially at these odds there, team. If this was, like, maybe minus 200, maybe I would back away a little bit. Minus 125, I'll take Volk. That's where I'm at. I think he um, I think he gets the job done. Yeah, I don't fault anyone for taking Volk. I, I'm on the other side. I, I'm going to go with uh, Tapuria here. Um, but – it, it, it's it's definitely a, a tough fight to to call in that sense because you're going up, you know. For me, taking Taporia, it's like you're going against the goat. You know, he is the featherweight goat in Volkanovski, and he's proven that he's he's beaten the who's who, beat Max Holloway, beat Aldo, and impressive fashion as as well. And then he tried to go up to to one fifty five, and I don't fault him. You know, a lot of individuals would say he won that first fight against Makachev. I thought Magachev won, but I mean, I, I can see the argument. And then the second one, it was short notice. Like you said, it was whatever, seven days notice, 10 days notice. Uh, but the thing, the result of that fight, that's the only thing that worries me coming into this one is is the head kick. He takes that 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 knockout loss and he turns right around at three months. Maybe it's been, you know, three and a half months or whatever it is. And, you know, jumping back in there to fight Taporia. And, and the other red flag for me, was after that fight where he lost to Makachev, you really saw some of the the mental health stuff that he's been talking about or hinting at for a while come to the bubble to the surface. And he got real emotional. And he brings up the fact that, you know, he has to fight. He has to do this because when he's not fighting, he has demons and things of that nature. He And which is whatever. Everyone's got, got things going on. No fault there. But, you know, this is you know, betting podcast, I'm trying to make money here. So um, when, when a fighter says some of those things, you know, those are red flags. And um, to, you you don't want to have any questions about yourself going into a fight against Taporia. And, and I understand why people are saying like, well, who is Taporia fought and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, all of these fighters were at this point, you know, at some point in their career, you know, all of the goats were like, who did they fight? Do they deserve this title fight against this other goat or this other great champion? And, you know, that's what makes champions champions. You know, at the end of the day, you have to take out the best of the best. And Volkanovsky did it. And I, and I feel like Taporia is going to do it on Saturday night. And the reason why is like the skill, the skill aspect of it, like Taporia is super, super well-rounded. The guy is an incredible striker, Chris Boxer with, very big power in his hands, um, fast in and out movements. Like he's really good at avoiding damage and then, you know, and then jumping into the pocket and hitting you one, two, and then putting, jumping back out of the pocket. Um, and then the grappling aspect as well. Like he's an incredible grappler. Um, he, he's 14 and in, in, in his career and 12 of those wins were by finish. And I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Top of my head, it was like seven KOs and five submissions. Like he's well rounded, even with his finishes as well. It's not just knockouts. It's he's going to submit you too if he gets you down to the ground. Um, I don't think he'll submit Volkanovski because Volkanovski is tough. We saw him against uh, Brian Ortega. 
um, not get submitted against him when he was in terrible position. So, uh, and even with Makachev, like Makachev had his back a bunch of times. So I don't think we'll see a submission here by Taporia, but I do think we're going to see a knockout though. I, I, I just think the speed is going to be a difference here. Um, some people would say it's cockiness on Taporia's end, but I look at his confidence, man. I mean, he's been pretty respectful, even in the face-to-face in that press conference you were talking about, which that was awesome. Um, Volkanovsky dressed up like an old man. He actually has a commercial, if you guys you know search it on, on X, it's hilarious, um, where he makes fun of himself. You know, Everyone keeps saying he's old, and it's like about a minute, two-minute little commercial for a, a betting, a gambling website or whatever. So it's hilarious. Um, if you check my page, I, I retweeted it. But um, that was cool to see him come out to a press conference like that. But um, anyways, when they did the face-to-face um, a- after that uh, press conference, you know, Taporia said to him very calmly, very respectfully, he's like, I respect you as a man. I respect you as a fighter. But he's like, man, this is my time. And he, it wasn't cockiness. Like he was very humble about it, but just telling like Volk, like, I'm sorry, this is my time. And I just believe it, man. This guy is super confident, well-rounded, like I said. And yeah, Volkanovski's the GOAT and Volkanovski's going to hang in there. Like I wouldn't be surprised if this does go into the third, fourth, you know, round. But I, I think in the end, Taporia, that power is going to be the difference. And um, I, I think it's going to wear on Volk and he's going to end up getting him out of there. And I think there's going to be a new era, you know, in, in the featherweight division. So I, I'm going to go with Taporia here, man. But I don't fault you or anyone else because they look at those odds and they're like, man, I'm getting the the featherweight go at minus 125. How do I pass this up? But, man, I just – it's Taporia's time, man. And, and, I, and I'll quickly say, you know, minus 125, awesome. But he was plus 200 against Makachev. He was plus whatever it was the first time as well. So those were even better odds. He ended up losing. I know it's Makachev. I know it's a division up, but man, you know, at minus 125, cool. It's good odds, but I, I don't think that's saying that, hey, he's, you know, I, I have to take Volkanovsky here. So I, I'm going with uh, Ilya Taporia here. I think we'll have a new champion on Saturday. All right. So Gene saying new champion there on Saturday night, Ilya Taporia. Look, I, I don't want to argue with you, Gene, because I don't think I really have, you know, I, I mean, we can go either way on this one, right? I mean, Agreed. Taporia is a guy that skill-wise, he probably could have been in with Volk a couple fights ago. So he's earned his way here. And I think that skill, skill-wise, skill like this dude is top of the food chain. Skill-wise, he, he very well could be better than Volkanovsky. For me, it's it's experience. And I think it's the bright lights and things like that. But I wouldn't be shocked there, Gene, if this turns into a trilogy. Because I think if, if Taporia wins this one, Volk's going to end up right back in there again. At least that would be th- that would be the fight that I make. I could see this turning out to be like a trilogy very similar to, you know, like a Shevchenko-Grasso type of deal or something like that. So that's kind of what I envision with the with these two. I think that – and and maybe maybe it'll be Volk riding off into the sunset. Maybe this is the last guy we'll, we'll see him in the octagon with. But that's kind of just, you know, my feeling. But – I'm on the other side. I think Volk gets it done. Gene thinks Taporia gets it done, so we'll see. And it's not often that Gene and I go ahead and disagree, but we're going to disagree on uh, We'll disagree on this one. You guys know where to make sure you find me and Gene on Twitter. Make sure you get them at me and Gene0022. Make sure you guys check me out at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Gene and I will go ahead. We'll be back for UFC 299, UFC 300. Those are the big events coming up here for March and April. With that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck. Enjoy the fights.
Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.